Hi, I'm Heather, and you're listening to the Holy Hotness Podcast, where we're just striving for holiness even with the world and life being a massive hot mess. I'm really excited that you're here, so let's chat. Rachel and she goes by Ray and I love that I just learned that your name is not spelled R-A-Y-C-H-E-L that's really sweet is it Sam that calls you that or was it your family yeah yep Sam calls you yep, that's my husband sweet. okay mm-hmm. that's cool how how long have you guys been married we just one we celebrated one year but we've known each other for four years now for four years oh that's awesome mm-hmm. how long did you date before you got married we dated for two years and then we were engaged a for, year yeah. because he was finishing up school. Okay. So cool. we waited till he graduated and got married the month yeah. after his graduation. Oh, that's exciting. We got married right, mm-hmm. right after graduation too. And it's funny because now, um, yeah, we like, like we got engaged and three weeks later went and got married. Um, <laughs> and oh then we, God, yeah. And then we, um, well, he was going to flight school and I was like, I'm not going to Florida with you unless we're married. And he was like, well, why don't we just do it? But my dad was deployed. So we didn't want to have like a big wedding and throw that together. Um, Mm. and so then we had a big wedding 10 months later and then Mm. it wasn't until, wasn't until five years after that, that we had our marriage convalidated in the church. So we technically have like three marriage ceremonies we've had so oh his, my gosh his wow. favorite that's icebreaker crazy awesome. yeah he's like anytime I'm ever like self-conscious like oh would you leave me like emotional stuff he's like I've literally married you three times like I don't know how much more you want from me but I've married you three times so I need you to like take a break um yeah but he uh that's his favorite icebreaker. Every time he starts like a new squadron or something and they're like, stand up and t- say something about yourself. And he's like, I've been married three, sa- three times to the same woman. And everybody's like, wait, what? <laughs> so fun. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad um, he's just. He's the most okay. flexible person. <laughs> Literally. He's just taking it as something to be proud of instead yeah. of like embarrassed. About yeah. It. He's like, that. whatever. She makes me get married to her a million times. I'll keep yeah. doing it. Whatever, whatever she wants. It's so sweet. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. So you were homeschooled, right? Yes. Yep. All through kindergarten, through everything. High school. Mm-hmm. Through everything. I love that. It's really nice for like you and Bridget. I know you follow Bridget, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. To see just, I, I was as a public school kid, I was just brainwashed to think that the homeschoolers were weirdos. And the oh, only yeah. homeschoolers that I knew, seriously, the only homeschoolers I knew of period were the Duggars. <laughs> and, oh, that is hilarious. And yeah, so that, it's like, that's, that's so not, funny. that's not all of them. Not all of them have 19 children and wear skirts and, yep. <laughs> and all that stuff. So it's so funny. Like now that I'm in that world, I'm like, that's such a ridiculous misconception, but that's all like mainstream media had ever they were either like, oh, you yeah. know, the, the people who like live like completely off the reservation, um, homesteading, mm-hmm. like all that stuff. And like, they don't want the government to look at their kids or even know they exist. There was either that is what we were taught they were or the Duggars. <laughs> and I was like, there was no in between, <laughs> no in between whatsoever. Oh my gosh. It's so true. Or that we're very antisocial. We don't know how to navigate crowds. We're all introverts and shy. Yeah. I'm like, no, in the least. So it's great to see like you and Bridget Mm -hmm. out there, like having coherent conversations and being like, no, we're normal people. (laughs) Being like real people or something. We're not unicorns. Like, yeah, so funny. Ah, Okay. Okay. So today, so yes, exactly. Um, okay. So today we're going to talk about, um, that like old saying that you like never talk about faith or religion, politics or money and like how ridiculous that is, mm. especially nowadays. Um, but how, like as Catholics, not, a, not only are we called to, to talk about and to do those things, but then like, how do we do those things without being a jerk, like, you know, like being a, um, mm-hmm. my way or the highway kind of stuff, because I think it's, um, takes a huge perspective shift to also like realize like, okay, this, I am not in this person's shoes. So how do I walk mm-hmm. along this person, even though we're different, um, and try to explain like 
my charitable love for them while also disagreeing. Like we live in this day and age where it's like, mm-hmm. if you disagree with somebody, then you hate them, which is just the most ridiculous condition. And it just divides us that we're not allowed to disagree with anybody or that like, nobody's willing to say they're just opinions because they don't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, like taken as their, anyways, these just bigoted or whatever people want to call you, you know? So, um, so you speak a lot on Instagram, you have your rants with Ray <laughs> and I love it. And mm-hmm, first yeah. thing I want to know is how, <laughs> how do you deal with like haters? <laughs> I'm too much of a people pleaser. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing, dude. It's, it's hard because, um, saying what you think on the internet, no, whether it's about bagels or about politics, there will be haters because I think we just have forgotten how to dialogue, but how Mm -hmm. I deal with people who disagree with me, it's very hard. And I am 100% not an expert, but what I try my hardest to do is like, when you read someone's message, it's very easy to assume the worst tone and the worst intention, mm-hmm. but I found it so much better to respond with, and my mom taught us this as kids. So I thank my mom for this, but act um, calmer than you feel and say like something that nicer than what you think you, you say. want to say. Yeah. And she taught us that as kids, you know, when we're talking to each other as siblings, but I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, that is very helpful as an adult because sometimes you just want to scream too because it is frustrating yeah but to respond so much calmer than you feel kind of gives them the opportunity to dialogue and some people don't want to talk they just want to tell you that you're wrong and that's fine and yeah. it's you know just find a way to dismiss them but it does cut deep when people yeah. attack like well, you I'm, as a person yes instead of what you're saying instead of what you're deep. saying like yeah um I remember so I grew up at the beach and I used to work at um during the summers I would work at the oceanfront hotels I was like a receptionist and mm. um there was we'd always be calling the police on these people and it was freedom of speech. But like, if they stepped onto our property, it was like disturbing our patrons and stuff. But you know, the people standing out there just screaming Bible verses at you. And you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, I was Catholic. I was cradle Catholic, you know, raised Catholic, but, um, was never really in love with my faith or understood. I just, I checked, I checked some boxes that I wanted to check. And if I didn't feel like, you know, very cradle or cafeteria Catholic, but I just remember sitting there at the front desk, hearing these people with their megaphones, just screaming Bible verses and like screaming about damnation and, and gays and things like that. And I thought all they seem to me is belligerent. You know what I mean? And so I always try Mm. to think that when I'm on social media and I'm talking to somebody is like, we're not called to just shout (laughs) orders and things Mm -hmm. at people, like even in parenting, like just shouting orders at people, um, or commands, or you need to obey me because, um, never gets to the root of the problem, which is always a heart problem, you know? And, um, and so I try to always like turn it on its head and be like, these people have a soul and they are loved and cherished and, needed and desired by God. And I need to love and cherish them just as much so much so that we need, we're called to love even when it's not comfortable, you know, we're called to say, because I love you, I don't want you to continue doing what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's hard nowadays because your truth is your truth. And my truth is my truth. So like, what does it matter? Because if, if it's your truth, then you do you, you know? Um, so how do you, how did you and how did your parents help raise you to like form your conscience, you know, because nowadays your conscience is such a subjective thing, really. It's Mm -hmm. your conscience is formed around what you believe to be right and true, not what is actually right and true. You know what I mean? So like, how did, how do you like as a young adult who came out of, you know, a nurturing home, Mm-hmm. What do you use to like form your conscience before you're going to go into these debates with people, you know? That's a great question. I think, I mean, it helps that my parents, um, I mean, gave me that example. Mm-hmm. That isn't to say that 
I've always followed it perfectly. You know, they're much better than I am. But um, my dad has been an example of that to me because my dad um, was raised Catholic, but like so many kind of, you know, went through Catholic school, but knew nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, he now works for a Catholic radio station. He's very Catholic now. Um, But when he first met my mom, he, you know, he wanted to be, but he didn't know how. Yeah. And so seeing his example of faith really um, had an impression on me because it showed that Catholicism and um, like your conscience is something that is formed over time and that you have to feed with good stuff. Mm -hmm. And he would always praise my mom for that, which has an effect on me as a woman too, to see that my, my dad really admired my mom's faith and where she put her time and energy in. Mm-hmm. And um, seeing my parents pray as a kid really mattered to me because to see your own father pray the rosary, you know, you see it as something that's meaningful. My dad's mm-hmm. a hard worker, but he takes 15 minutes to kneel and pray the rosary. So yeah. seeing those types of examples really put an impression on me. But I was also raised in a home that like church was a very um, big part of our lives. We lived yeah. an hour from my childhood parish. But we would drive there six days out of the week um, because my mom worked there. And so we would homeschool there and there was an adoration chapel there. And so it was sort of like church wasn't just an aspect of life, but it was a huge chunk of our lives. And it was like, here's here are all the tools to use. And my mom would point this out. You know, you've got all of this at your fingertips, but, you know, it's your choice. And like, thanks be to God that so many of my siblings and I like chose that path you know yeah um but yeah I definitely think my parents example and like the friends groups that we cultivated through that parish made a huge impact on where I wanted to form my conscience Mm -hmm. and um the you know what we studied and things all made the difference for me and so many of my siblings too yeah and I think when um when you live this life you know uh you know everybody has there's all this like debate. I mean, after the motu proprio coming out, like all this debate about the traditional Catholics and things like that. And, um, our priest even said, uh, the other day at mass, he was like, you know, we're called to like speak out for the marginalized. And he's like, and right now we're not a Latin parish. Um, but he was like, right now there's an entire sect of Catholics who feel marginalized by the things Mm -hmm. the Pope have said, you know, and he was like, so pausing and taking reflect on the fact that somebody feels marginalized and defensive and hurt by the church, even if maybe it's not a physical way, like, you know, um, and I think one thing I I've in watching traditional Catholics, um, and trying to model a little bit more after that, because we don't go to a Latin parish, the closest Latin parish to us is an hour and a half away. Um, so that would, so it would be like, we'd be driving on into Texas to get to mass on Sundays, you know? Um, but I think the, the difference is I feel like post-Vatican II, it became this, you get, you get your Jesus at church and that's it. Mm-hmm. Instead of this right. like reminder that like the family is the first teachers of the faith. Your home is a domestic church. The husband is the priest of the family, mm-hmm. the head of the family, you know, and like modeling that like big church is just an extension of the little church of your home. And so mm-hmm. when we don't, raise our children with these conversations all the time, then when the conversations come up against somebody who doesn't agree with them, they don't feel confident or equipped to have a a coherent debate about it. One hour, maybe a week in CCD and 10 minutes of a homily once a week are not enough to equip you to be able to stand up to the world and defend, um, you know, this truth. And I think as Catholics, we have to remember that like, there is one truth and that one truth is Jesus Christ. And when you have your conversion and you really, and I don't know if you've ever had like a a massive conversion, if you were raised in such a faithful family, but you know, when you have that moment of conversion and you see like the mirror shining on all the things you're doing in your life that are not right, you look at it and you're like, Oh "Oh, man, like this is not, right. Not because, not because I want it to be not right. I want this to be right because it feels good, whatever Mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, but it's not right because it's not what I know God wants, you know? And so I think as Catholics, like we forget that we've been given 
2000 years of tradition that can literally, like, if you just stick your nose in a book for two minutes, you can find whatever the answer is. So we've got all these, we have all these public figures right now, like our president who Mm -hmm. wear the badge of being quote unquote Catholic, but in actuality, he's doing so many and saying so many things that are completely against the church teaching, which is so harmful. And I feel like as we as Catholics, it's sinful for us to spread those, those false truths around, um, because it could be damaging to other people's souls if you don't know what you're talking about, you know? So I, I just, I just love that, you know, your family made it this like take back, take a step back, take a deep breath, treat people with charity, but also like firmly stand Mm -hmm. that these things, these truths are 2000 plus years old and you can't change them just because of how you feel. Um, yeah, yeah, so true. And I mean, speaking of our president, but like, you know, the, the whole abortion debate, like if you, it took me a four second Google search to find that like the U S conference of Catholic bishops says we have a duty to teach about human life and dignity, marriage, family, war and peace, and the needs of the poor and demands of justice. And that the killing of an unborn child is intrinsically evil and can never be justified period. Like there's no, there's no conversation about that. Like you know what it's I mean? all like, set in stone. It's, it's not stone. a debate. It's we right don't get there. to, we don't get to like decide how we feel about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing too, is I think you then have to go to yourself and wrestle with God about that. Like, okay. It's like when your parents tell you like, this is a rule in my house. And if you're going to live under the roof of my house, then you're going to abide by these <laughs> rules and you can wrestle with them all the time, but you better obey those mm-hmm. rules or else they're kicking your butt out. You know, so right. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like, I, you might not understand why that's the truth, but like, it's right there in black and white. Like that's our, that's the truth mm-hmm. of this faith, you know? Um, okay. So from your point of view, why do you think it's important, um, that you use something like social media to share faith and political happenings and things like that. Like why do you, why and how do you use that as a tool um, without falling into things like pride and vanity and, and Mm. all those that come along with social media too, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I've got to thank the haters. They do humble you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was first very inspired to share faith and even like politics. And since I've had my Instagram since I was 15. And when I first started it, I was sharing all about, you know, being pro-life. And that's when I first started getting into internet debates, which are a very dangerous game. But like, yeah. you really don't when you're 15 years old, when you're 15 and know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And the abortion was, debate at 15 is probably a bit much like, no yeah I learned a lot let's just say I was very much humble but yeah um I was very inspired I love Fulton Sheen I talk about Fulton Sheen all the time I love him Fulton Sheen is one who talks about using you know the tools of whatever you've got around you to share the gospel so I was like boom here it is you know we gotta use these tools so that was always an important aspect you know 15 and beyond you know at least sharing Catholic quotes or something inspiring or you know the Eucharist and things like that but um, it wasn't until probably 2016 when, um, you know, the election was really hot topic before this past one, which was even more of a hot topic. But mm-hmm. when I really felt the call to share more about politics, and that was um, hard for me because, it, I mean, I was only 18 at the time. And yeah. so I was like, wow, this is this is not something I'm comfortable. I don't feel like I know enough, but I was like, I I feel like I have a duty for people who are my age who don't know where to go. So I started following um, Catholic Vote and I started um, following all these different people who I respected highly and that I knew had good consciences. Mm -hmm. And I learned just so that I could share people, just so that people like my own friends would know what's going on and why it matters and why why it matters specifically to Catholics because of our morals that we have to fight to keep. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge thing for me. And it was very hard because I had a lot of people who didn't like it. 
and um like especially when family doesn't like it like that stings that does yes it hurts a lot because you want so earnestly for them to understand where you're coming from and why the truth is the truth you know yeah um so a lot of learning but that's sort of where it all began and ever since then I've haven't stopped being sassy and yeah. I haven't stopped sharing politics. <laughs> oh, good. I always struggled with, um, I feel like Catholicism is used as a political tool on both mm-hmm. sides. And I, I feel like I can see through that. Um, you know, I had a really hard time as somebody who voted for Trump both times. Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time with all these people saying, oh, look at Melania. She's at the Vatican and she's got her black veil on and, and whatever. And, and, you know, they're, they're going to the church and they're doing these things, which I hoped and prayed that they were in good conscience and they were done not as political stunts and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I always thought, you know, as Catholics, a sin is a sin is a sin because any of it separates us from the grace of God, any of it. Mm-hmm. So as humans, we can look and say, well, I mean, killing an innocent unborn child is way worse than getting a divorce, but in the eyes of God, mm-hmm. all of it separates you from him. And that to him is devastating. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, when people were looking at Melania and saying like, well, Melania is Catholic or Melania this. And I was like, but she's married to a man who's been divorced three times. So really she's committing adultery unless all of those weddings, unless all of his marriages have been now, if they weren't married in the Catholic and church, I, you know, there's yeah. all these new nuances and stuff, right. but I always struggled because you can tell that our faith has become this political, like, it doesn't matter what you do with your life, but if you're like, but I'm Catholic, it's like, that's not mm-hmm. how any of this works. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like I can walk around all the time and say that, um, you know, I'm a proud American, but if I'm coming home and burning flags and stomping on them in my front porch, then like actions are speaking differently, you know? So, uh, mm-hmm. okay. So I want to know how, how do you deal? How do you debate? How do you, um, love somebody who is Catholic, mm-hmm. quote unquote Catholic, um, and 100% is believing something that we have been given the blueprint that that's not what you're allowed to believe, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a choice in this matter. You know, you're, you don't get to have a choice on whether or not you use birth control. You don't get that choice, right? You are called to be open to life. You can wrestle with God about that all you want, but you're called to that, you know? Um, and you know, or my, my favorite one, um, which is a a conversion of heart. I've had, I was very pro death penalty, before I had my conversion, oh, okay. I always was kind of, I kind of started with abortion is like, I would never do that, but you know, mm-hmm. to each their own kind of had that point of view. And then, okay. and then I kind of converted that to like, well, taking a life is really not taking anybody's life. And then, and then it started being like, well, taking the life of a horrible hardened criminal is like better off without him, you know? Mm. And then I'd be like, well, it's saving our justice system money. And then I thought about it and I'm like, how many people are actually dying of the death penalty every year? Very few. So it's not Very like, few. it's not like from a completely purely economical standpoint, like it's really not saving that much money. Like if you're <laughs> going to talk about that. So then, mm-hmm. for, then when those layers started peeling back, I started thinking that child is loved by God, no matter what they have done, they might end up in the pits of hell for the rest of their life. We don't know the state of their soul at the mm-hmm. moment of death, but that's one that I always, you'll see people that are devout quote unquote Catholics and very pro-life, but only pro-life mm-hmm. if it's an innocent unborn child, not pro-life. If it's a hardened criminal serial killer, you know, I mean, that's terrible. And I hope God's justice, mm-hmm. you know, but, but as a Catholic, when I saw it plain black and white, like from conception to natural death, I was like, I'm not allowed to believe that this is okay anymore. You know? So how do you Mm -hmm. lovingly tell somebody they're wrong? You know, like, (laughs) yeah, incredibly difficult. That is, that is a good question. It is hard. I think, and it always depends on the person too, because the way you approach your friend, when you disagree with them, 
is going to look different than a stranger. That's easy. It's easier to be angry at a stranger. It always is. Or at somebody, maybe, you know, that you're, you know, so well that you're, you feel like you're allowed to be angry at them. Yeah. But what I have learned again, I'm not always very good at this, but, um, but you're at least bold in it. Like, like, I feel like my boldness lacks because I don't like ruffling feathers and I don't like, um, stirring Uh, the pot and I'm very convicted in my faith, but I'm also a massive empath. Um, and so, mm. you know, we have, we have somebody in our family who is same sex attracted, not our family. I say our family, he might as well be family. Um, and, and for me, uh, growing up a military brat, we have, my children right now have so many uncles that they just realized the other day are like not actual uncles. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, he's not blood related to us. We just call him that. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. So, but you know, that's hilarious. this person I love so dearly and it's so hard for me because mm-hmm. I love them and genuinely only want heaven for them but they don't go to church. Yeah. They don't have any sort of relationship with God. They were quote unquote raised Catholic, um, and are very mm-hmm. solidified in their same sex attraction, you know, lifestyle. And, mm-hmm. and for me, it's like, I don't want to ruffle the feathers and get into the debate about it. But then I, you sit back and you have that guilt of like, one, if I say something, am I just going to drive this person away from me? And if I drive this person mm-hmm. away, away from me, then I'm not, then my, my modeling my joy, my Christian joy, my happiness that could eventually convert souls. Cause I'm not going to convert anybody, you know, mm-hmm. and is, are we missing out on that opportunity or should I be standing there and not throwing the book, but you know, holding firm and you're like, well, what you're doing is wrong, you know? Right. Yeah. Hello. Good morning. Right. <laughs> There's a better way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is very hard. I find it is easier when like, okay, you disagree with somebody like on abortion or something. Well, you have, in order to really speak to someone, you need to see their heart. You can't just see that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And it is 10 times easier to speak with someone when you see their humanity, see that they have a heart that matters and long for them to be in heaven with you. Even if it's somebody that does not like you, you know, somebody who has hurt you or something like that in an extreme case, sometimes most of the time it's strangers, but sometimes it's people who have hurt you deeply, but you know, think you're so wrong. So they're going to keep poking you, you know, and that's a hard conversation, but like to see that you're human, just like me. So we're, we're at the same level, you know, Mm -hmm. no one's better than the other because you and I are human. We're sinful. And Jesus died for us both. Yes. And that's a very important perspective. And 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 every sin, every sin is equal in the eyes of God. So like I can look at this person and that's something that's humbling too, is that, Mm -hmm. and sometimes that makes me want to just shut my mouth. Cause I think like, well, when I gossiped last week that, and I chose, you know, like when you have that thought where you're like, I shouldn't say this about her, but I'm going to do it anyways. You know, like that was a conscious decision. I chose to separate myself from God. And this person, you almost think too, like, well, if this person doesn't know God, are they actually choosing to separate themselves from him? You know, it's like, it's almost like my mm-hmm. choice was worse. Right. It's, you know? it is good to have that perspective. Like who I am not worthy to convert you. That is a good perspective because our job is not to convert. I love the quote. I, I want to say it's by St. Bridget, something like that. I can't remember who first said it, but it's like, my job is not to convert or like change you. It's to inform you of the truth. And I mean, God gives us these opportunities to share his love and charity Mm -hmm. um, and in prudence, of course, but like, he doesn't want us to ride the fence, right? He, if God gives us an opportunity to share what is right and what, what is good, right? Because truth is good. Mm-hmm. Then we ought to take it, but we can't just like yell it down people's throats. It's a dialogue that happens that you share like, well, I want to know why you think this way, because honestly, my best like conversations are when I ask the most questions and speak the le- the least, Yeah, because then you know, they tell you exactly how they think. They don't think that they're on the defensive. They think, oh, this person's genuinely curious what I have to think because I think that I know. But as soon as, you know, those words are spoken, like truth reveals itself and the Holy Spirit works in that. 
I do a lot of, not a lot, but sometimes I do pro-life, pro-life outreach. Okay. And um, we do that with Respect Life Michigan. So it's not religious affiliated. It's just, we talk about science, philosophy, out downtown near where I live. Mm-hmm. And um, what they tell us in training is, you know, we're not here to, you know, tell people why they should be pro-life, but instead ask them, are you, what do you think about abortion and why? Like, we genuinely want to know what makes you think what you think about abortion, you know, is that because of some experience that you had? Is it because you honestly think that's science? And I was talking to this one lady and she's like, well, you know, I've heard that, you know, baby's not really formed till, you know, whatever month she said way further than they actually are. And I showed her a picture of a first trimester abortion, which the baby looks like a baby, right? It's a baby. And she was like, that's really first trimester. I'm like, yes, honestly, this is a first trimester baby. Like, what do you think? And she's like, I was never told this. No one ever told me that this is what they look like. And you could see that her heart was opened and she began to think about it. And she didn't say now I'm pro-life, but she walked away with a perspective that made her think And Mm -hmm. I love that. I think dialogue should always bring people to a deeper understanding of each other. Of themselves. Nobody's going to understand something when you shout it at them. Like that doesn't bring understanding for me and my faith. When I dive deep into something, it's because I question it myself and I seek the answers, Mm -hmm. not because anybody's given me the answer. It's and honestly, sometimes it's come front, you know, when my years ago, when my husband was like something, something, something. Mary's immaculate conception or whatever. And I thought, well, I know that's what we believe, but I don't, I don't know why, you know? Mm, yeah. So then like books and books and books and like, I could probably write a book now just as much as, you know, because that convicted my heart to be like, why do I believe that? Like mm-hmm. what, what is the, if I, okay, maybe I know the truth, you know, and it's almost like showing your work, like in math, you know, it's like, <laughs> you can get the answer, but if you don't know how to show anybody else to get the answer, what's the point, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So when we were at this Bible study last night, talking about justice, um, it's funny because I, I went to this concert um, last Thursday, so a week ago, and I had invited a friend to our Bible study. She's cradle Catholic, but hasn't been to the Catholic church in a while. And you know, we live in the Bible belt. There's a church, like you could literally snap your neck around and see 12. Um, and there's, I mean, there's so many churches and not many Catholic churches. We've got a, I mean, a good amount, you know, in our area, but massive Methodist churches, massive Baptist churches, you know, I mean, these huge things. And, um, I had stumbled upon this song called the blessing and I was just listening to it like on repeat all the time. And my little babies are singing amen and we're in the car. And it was just this beautiful moving experience. Well, I invited this friend who hadn't been to the church in a while to Bible study and she came and it happened to be like, I didn't know, but her world just felt like it was falling apart around her. And um, we were just gym wow. friends and we went to this Bible study about hope. And at the end, I mentioned this song and like That's how I perfect. can't, can't stop listening to this song and it's just so moving. And afterwards, you know, she opened up to me and told me all these things that was going on in her life. And she said that band, this Christian band is going to be in Texarkana, Texas, which was, I thought 45 minutes away. It was not, it was an hour and a half away. So it was like a last minute scramble. I'm like, Brandon, you have to come home from work early. Like I have to get to this concert. But so we went to the concert and I knew one song and I literally was going for this one song and to be with my friend that we had like all of a sudden you know, just clicked. And, um, yeah. yeah. And so we go to this concert and the first song comes on and I'm feeling like this Catholic guilt, like I should not be in this, this arena, (laughs) like worshiping with this Protestant music, you know, because I had literally (laughs) never been to another church other than a Catholic church. And, um, there were songs that were just so convicting. And I just felt like, like, I felt like the words were coming from my soul to God, you know? And so I we've, I've spent the whole last week we've listened to other than when I'm at the gym, that's then I listen to like really inappropriate <laughs> rap music, but when I'm at home, instead of listening to Michael Jackson and whatever else I'm listening to, I've been listening to Carrie Job and Cody Carnes. They're a married couple and just the songs on repeat and the babies are singing them and I'm singing them. And 
it's that's awesome. God's been on my heart so much that like the Bible's been open more. I've been, you know, like mid workout, mid suffering. Instead of running, I would literally run and be like, I hate doing this, like every step. Instead, I was like offering up that suffering for like my friend's future husband for, you know, like all these things. And I've just felt like this, um, bro, good for you, but it's crazy because then we started talking about justice and everybody in this Bible study is like, yeah, well, justice is hard because, you know, how do you not feel like you need to take justice into your own hands? And what if somebody wrongs you, blah, blah, blah. And I just kept thinking, finally, Mm -hmm. I just spoke up and I was like, guys, all of these virtues are not ours to cultivate. They're given to us. Like the virtue of prudence is given to you. Oh, that is good. You know, the virtue of justice is Mm. given to you and you're not going to be worthy or available to receive those gifts. If you're not cultivating relationship with the one who's giving them. So if you're not in constant prayer, like if you're not in constant prayer and if your first instinct is to be defensive and scream about pro-life, whatever, whatever. And your first instinct is not to take Mm -hmm. a pause and thank God for that soul of that person that is existing right in front of you. Then there's no way you're going to be able to convey what the Holy spirit wants you to convey. There's no way. And it's funny because this whole past week, if anything's come up and I normally relate it to motherhood, because obviously that's my 24 seven, but my reaction time to these kids has not been loud and shouting because I've been so, and I know that this, this is the problem with the Protestant worship is, um, and these praise bands and things is, is it's chasing a feeling. And I'm aware of that because love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And so these feelings are great Mm -hmm. for re-sparking flames and things like that. But the sustainment is when you continually choose Jesus, even when it doesn't feel great, you know? And so I'm aware of that. But like this high I've been on has been, I feel like my decisions, my ability to like, there's clarity in that. Like, I don't need to debate with somebody Mm -hmm. and get all heated because there's some sort of peace in me. That's just like the words that are supposed to come out will come out, you know? And it's funny because us as Catholics are so quick to read the books and, and do all the research and have all the notes, like, like highlighted up and down in this book, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, if you're not in tune with the father, who's giving you the gifts of that justice and prudence, peace, joy, patience, love, then you're not going to be able to convey that, you know, there's no way to reflect that if you're not allowing yourself to receive it on your own, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. so let's see. Oh, okay. So much. So I want to know some of the resources you use. I know you mentioned the loop, maybe you could talk about the loop a little bit more, um, like through Catholic. Mm-hmm. Do you get their email every day? Yeah. I love the loop. I stopped. I do. Yep. I stopped just, I stopped checking news probably like summer oh, yeah. last year. I was like, this is, it was just like Bonkers. fear, fear sells. Like if it bleeds, it leads mm-hmm. like, and it was just one negative, terrible thing yep. after the other. And I was like, I can't handle the soul dude uh, no it's not i there was a quote from Mm-mm. i think mother Teresa. i gotta look it up um oh she said um we don't need to do everything but we need to do something it starts with the person right in front of us and blessed Teresa of calcutta said well this was written before she was a saint um well she was a saint before she was canonized if you look at the masses if I look at the masses I will never act but if I look at one person I will and um and so it was hard because I was looking at the entire world its entirety of its like absolute crap Mm -hmm. show um and thinking there it's debilitating to look at all that news and being like Mm -hmm. I cannot do something yeah I can't I can't fix this whole world so you debilitatingly do nothing you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and I like using the loop because it obviously gives me a Catholic perspective on something, which is how I should view everything is through the lens of my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I even avoid, I avoid Fox news. I, cause they're all, they just want you yeah. to be, the, they want to be the first one that it's gets the their news story. Shit, it's all, dude. yes, it's all the same. Um, but yeah. So where else do you look for 
So definitely, yeah, Catholic Vote, best, I would say, the Loop is such a good resource, but I also listen to Catholic Radio, local Catholic Radio, so EWTN, Mm -hmm. um, and that's mostly because my dad works there, but I love listening to Catholic Radio just to get, it's like, you know, you get local news and you get world news, but with that Catholic perspective, which is so important, you know. Um, Really? I've got it. I didn't know that, that they have like, well, that's nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, they do like EWTN News Nightly and mm-hmm. I don't know, they've got tons of stuff all day. Um, and then if you have your, your local radio station, we'll have different things too. So yeah. I love Catholic radio for that. You can turn it on in the car, boom, you're informed and you learn something about your faith too. So I love yeah. that. Um, I, I like if I'm reading something about what's going on medically in the country um american <laughs> frontline doctors but that's very um <laughs> oh, anything medical is very decisive defi- decisive divisive want to say divisive thank you divisive yeah. yeah so i won't share that but um <laughs> i would say between those two and then yeah. uh, my parents are really good at keeping me in, informed on different yeah. things but they generally just send me things from the loop or people on Instagram that I follow, I mean, Bridget, according to Bridget, she's very good. I love following her. Um, who else do I follow on Instagram that keeps me informed? That's not politically div- device, d- divisive here. I always really try to be conscious of like, every single person on this earth have some port- has some sort of agenda, whether they know it or not, you know, like, mm-hmm. so please try to read oh, yeah. the lines. And I think that's where my anxiety and like my OCD stuff gets to me, but I will, I will see a news story and I do not settle it. Well, I'll just take that at face value. Like I'm the kind of person that's like, well, let me research this line of this news story and this line of this yep. news story. And, you know, and statistically, like, are we looking at like per 1000 people, or is this just the total number? You know what I mean? Like, and so I do those things. And I think that's important too, is that discernment of like, I see this information, but I need to kind of dissect a little bit before I make my decision on how I feel about it, because especially the news outlets, Mm -hmm. especially people who make their money pushing a news headline to you, it is in their best interest to be more polarizing because Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not going to sell if it's not causing some sort of uproar. You know what I mean? So if you're just like giving this emotional, yes. So if you're not giving this, like, you know, today, the mortality rate of COVID was this, but you know, also this many people survived, like sun was shining. (laughs) Yeah. The sun was shining and it's okay guys, because like, you know, modern medicine, like if that's not going to (laughs) sell. It's either they're lying mm-hmm, to us. So true. They're lying to us or everybody's going to die. Like, you know, it's like, there's no in between. Yep. Um, so and you know, true. and it's like the, it's the so abortion true. debate is either you hate women or you love babies. <laughs> like, why can't we, can't we love yep. women and babies? Like, I don't understand. Can we do both? Yeah. Can, can, can we say both? Can we say that I love everybody? Yeah. So it's, yeah. Right. That's like that discernment <laughs> tool of just like the wisdom of being like, okay, let me just pause. And I, you don't want to make any of that information your idol. Like the Bible needs to be the first thing that we're opening up. And, mm-hmm. and if you're not going to that first, um, just first during your day and aligning your like soul to that first, then it's like everything else coming in is just noise. That's trying to pull you away from God, whether so it's, true. you know, whether it sounds good or it aligns with your political spectrum or whatever it is, it's still like, that's something that I always come back to is like, it doesn't matter what I say during the day. If I'm waking up and the first thing I'm doing is opening Instagram or Fox news, or even the loop before I've opened my Bible, mm-hmm. it's like, there's a priority shift that needs to happen. And I have no business looking at politics anyways, you know? So true. Yes. That's very, <laughs> very important. Yes. Um, what was I going to ask you too? The, uh, there was something else I was going to ask. I can't remember. I'll probably remember once we get off the call, but um, yeah. Oh, there was a, there was like one thing at the Bible study and I was telling somebody that like, um, I don't even know. 
it's like brain farting now. It's oh, getting late. Darn. It's 9.08 and I'm tired. We actually, <laughs> so we woke up this morning. We were supposed to have our homeschool co-op. And that's actually something I wanted to ask you. Totally off topic. But did you guys do a homeschool co-op? <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. You yep. did. I did. And then we also, before there was really a good co-op for us, when I was like seven, eight, nine, we took science classes once a week at a local college they had for just like middle school you know grade school homeschoolers they put that on so that we could do things in class settings like dissection and stuff yeah and then when I was in um you know eighth grade and up we did a homeschool co-op and then also my last two years of um, high school I took two class or yeah two classes two days a week at a Catholic school, they had this kind of hybrid thing where they oh, let homeschoolers come in. Yeah. It was very cool. So we were able to take just classes that are better when you can discuss with your peers. Um, so we took natural law and morality. We took Latin. Yeah. We took um, an English class, things like that, where it's kind of nice to be with more than just your siblings and your yeah. mom yeah. and talk about natural law and morality with, you know, a real professor and things. Um, so I did that in high school too, which was really interesting because I had to wear a uniform and everything. So oh, really? So oh, that's very different than my pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we have this co-op and we do it three days a month. It's literally like every Thursday, oh, okay. but we only do it three days a month and then three Thursdays a month. And then we have a week off and like, oh, okay. it is the most exhausting draining thing I do. And I feel so bad because it is not joyful or fun or anything for me it literally sucks the life out of me and I have nothing left in me for like the rest of Thursday and even to Friday like I'm done but I do it because it has art it has art it's just a lot of it's a lot of kids and but they have art and they get to do music and um science class and you know and it's like I want those my kids to experience those things alongside their peers um Mm -hmm. in an environment that I have control over and things like that um this morning I woke up at six and I got my little Catholic schoolhouse uniform on and stuff. And I, uh, I probably shouldn't have said like the name of it if I'm saying that it's the most exhausting thing I do in my week, but anyways, so I put my little like polo on and I've got my like terrible khaki shorts on and I start making eggs. And one of the twins walks out of her bedroom and she just looks at me and she's like, mom, like, yeah. And she's like, just vomits everything. Oh no. So I was like, oh no. So I'm texting them and like texting the directors. I'm like, well, we can't come now. Like there's puke everywhere. Right. And so she literally slept for like four and a half hours after that, just like passed out on the couch four and a half hours and then woke up and was like, I need food. Like she was totally fine. The quickest bug ever. There's been no fever. And her sister did it on Saturday, but I wasn't home. I was at a concealed. That's funny. Like we talked about like the death penalty thing because I was at a concealed carry class all day Saturday. Were you good for you? I went through one too. Uh, it was awful. It was awful. Awful. Oh, you just, did you get to shoot at the range or anything? So I had my hand on a gun for nine minutes. Um, and they gave me, time. they gave me the gun. Well, I mean, I rented the gun from the place and I've, I've used a gun before. Um, I'm not, I don't feel super proficient, but I don't feel ignorant to it either. I know how to discharge the magazine. I know how to load a magazine. I know proper gun etiquette, you know, like constantly reevaluating what the safe direction the gun needs to be pointed in and things like that. Um, but the only time we had our hand on a gun was to shoot the target. You had to shoot it at five meters, 10 meters and 15 meters. And if you missed a single shot, you couldn't get your concealed carry. Um, but I mean, it was very close range. Like I was kind of, I guess. Yeah. 15 meters is yeah. That's I mean, close. yeah, I was like, ah, uh, that's like really so kind of embarrassingly us, close. They made us do that close too, because their whole thing was immediate danger is immediate the only, danger. Yes. Yeah. And that's um, only when the perpetrator or whatever is super close to you. It's super close to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and they were feel kind of funny, <laughs> but it was just, it was crazy because the whole thing the state of Louisiana, you have to have nine hours of instruction. And those nine hours are literally nine hours of them reading the law to you verbatim. They have to verbatim read the law. And so, oh my gosh. So the instructor would like pause, you know, like he'd get to a line in the, in the law and he'd pause and be like, 
oh, this reminds me of such and such story or whatever. And some of it, they were like pulling up graphic videos of like security footage of people defending their homes or something. That's But then like, but then like watching people, I mean, I was, I left the room at one point and I like text my husband. I'm like, I'm crying in the bathroom. Like, this is horribly graphic. And they just kept stopping and being like, oh, did you hear about the shooting? Like over in this next town over, like watch this body cam footage. I'm like, this is so disturbing. Oh, that's awful. But then I found out later that they have a whole separate class that is the concealed carry fundamentals. And I wish I would have taken that class. That class is Mm. they put holsters on you. You actually practice pulling off your hip or wherever you're going to carry. Yeah. And then after that, I would have been like, I feel confident enough to then go get, take this course because the course is a requirement, but instead I took the course first and I was like, this was, and like, I don't even own a gun myself yet. So you've got like 60 days from when you get your fingerprints done and one year from when you take the class to apply for it. And if you don't do that within that time, you have to take the whole thing over again. Um, So I was like, well, now I don't even have a gun yet. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous, but yeah, so I, uh, yeah, so I don't even know how I got onto, oh, but yeah, while I was at the concealed carry, my husband texted me, he's like, the first twin, he's like, uh, she woke up, puked everywhere, and now she's been sleeping for five hours, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but it's clearly not lasting very long, I don't know, yeah, right, yeah, but I, sorry, I wanted to ask you about the homeschool thing, because I was like, was your mother as exhausted by this? I am. Oh, 100%. I think it's just exhausting all around. My, my friend texted me and she was like, I'll take a puking toddler for 400 Alex, because I, she was like, are you okay? (laughs) Like, do you need us to bring you something or make dinner? And I was like, actually, I'm really happy that we missed co-op today. And she was like, that's terrible. That you and I was like, well, I obviously don't want my kid to be sick, but like, if it had to happen on any day, I'm glad it was Thursday. It's so sad. So sad. Oh, that's yeah. funny though. Right, that's yeah. okay. It's all right to be tired. Yes. It's fair. Yes, it's fair. And it's great yeah. because then like I have Friday and Fridays are really chill days. The only thing on the agenda is my workout at noon. Um because oh, every other day good. of the week we have like Brazilian jujitsu in the evening or occupational therapy for two of the kids in the morning. And so it's like constant. But uh, Fridays, we don't have anything in the morning or anything in the evening. And then dad's home for the weekend. And it's like, we can take a breath, but relax. Yeah. That is Um, so nice. Okay. So I'm probably going to cut this last like three minutes off me rambling. Yeah. You probably will need to. Yeah. Sorry. uh, No, it's okay. My fault. Totally my fault. But um, okay. So the last thing I want to talk about is I want you to tell me where we can find you. And I want you to talk about your Etsy business a little bit. Okay, so you can find me on Instagram, Rachel Rosemary, but it's spelled R-A-Y-C-H-E-L Rosemary. Um, is that I'm your middle there. name? Yes, Rosemary okay. is my middle That's name. That's so mm-hmm. sweet. What a sweet name. I yeah, I, I used to hate it as a kid, but now I love it, obviously. Oh. <laughs> um, and then my Etsy, I only just started a year ago, but I have um, Catholic stickers. I watercolor and then I turn it into stickers and then mm-hmm. I have sweatshirts available now i'm coming out with new ones uh next month too and i'll see oh yeah some did you come up with a- ornaments too i did like I'll a little slogan surprise yeah. for you super though. surprise i tried as, to rack my brain clever, but it's, it's not, not as clever, clever. I, I couldn't think of anything so maybe next year we'll think of something more clever yeah. for christmas but these will just hopefully be cute um, and then soon i'll have nativity ornaments i had those last year but oh I'm you did okay bring those back yep and I don't know. So I where did you learn to do, do you do the watercolor art like on your iPad? Is that how you like? Do I do. I only just started using my, my iPad. I just got an iPad, uh, maybe four weeks ago or something. Um, so I, it's all on paper, on real paper and everything. And then I take a picture and my brother digitizes it for me, but really self-taught watercolor. Oh, and you, one of your brothers is a priest, right? Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. I, your parents are winning parental <laughs> awards in my book. I was almost at none too, but they rejected me. <laughs> they rejected you. So we have our no, babies. Our babysitter wasn't rejected, but she, they were just told, oh. she was told like, not right now, like go live life a little mm. bit, you know? Um, oh, and, uh, fair. yeah. And I mean, she's, yeah. How old are you? 
I'm 24. I just turned 24. 24. Okay. I got married when I was 23 too. So it feels like it a, forever ago now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, but it's funny. Cause I mean, I was so sure I was so, there was no, that I was sure he was it. And I'm sure you feel the same way about Sam. So oh, yeah. it's, it's just funny to look back and be like, I wasn't, I was a baby. I was oh, absolutely 100%. a baby. I still feel like a baby. I don't feel well, like, and I still don't feel like a grown up at all. Period. I'm 34 <laughs> years old. I don't feel like a grown up ever. Like sometimes I'm like, wait, you let me be in charge wait, of four, four humans and a house. And like, I don't understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's so, so crazy to me that you, when that you your know brother you know, is a, pr- is well, yes, so true. Yeah, that is true. Oh, but yes, my brother, my brother's awesome. I love him. So he's where is older. he a priest? Is he a diocesan priest? Yes. Yep. So we actually go to mass with him all, almost every Sunday. Oh my gosh, it's, the dream. It's such a gift. It is such a gift. Like That's amazing. It's just cool because um, seminary used to not be that great, but where he went to seminary is so good. He went to um, St. John Vianney, which is within St. Thomas in Minnesota, and they okay. Are where so are you in there. Minnesota? We're in we're in Michigan. Um, oh, Michigan. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. we're okay. on the west side of Michigan, but our diocese sends all their seminarians to Minnesota, so it's it's very confusing. And okay. then when they make it through that program, they go to Mundelein in Illinois. But um, it was cool to see my my brother entered seminary when he was seventeen, and it was it's just been cool as the younger <sighs> sister to see him transform into yeah. like not be changed like as a person but like to grow as a person yes um and to like see how seminary really like made him a better man yeah and um he literally became a man he became a man in seminary and we got to watch that as his family and like that is such a gift and um one of my cousins is becoming a priest very soon too and that's awesome. couple years and it's cool to see the same we thing have, for him uh, and for his family we have one of our one of our twins godfathers is in seminary in okay. right now and <gasps> um, that's very exciting just such a gift because I just think of the day I mean I will do anything and everything I'm going to be there at his ordination and oh yes he's we want him to be the one that gives the twins first communion when he first you know like to be able that to ha- receive that from your God, you know, I just, uh, yeah. And his story is crazy too. I want to have him on sometimes because he has very unique views on evangelization um, because Ooh, okay. he, he was raised quote unquote Catholic, not practicing mm-hmm. at all. Um, really f- fell in love with his Bible, fell in love with Jesus and became a Methodist and throughout high school and college, oh he, gosh, became, wow. he became an engineer. He was, he was Methodist and he would um, sometimes preach even at their Methodist church. And uh, he ended up going to Methodist seminary for his master's and like around oh the gosh, end when they whoa. were like, okay, we're going to like, you know, assign you to a church. And he's like, mm, no, the truth is in the Catholic church and I need to convert. So he ended up getting confirmed and convert <laughs> and converting. And then he immediately went to the church and was like, I want to be a priest. So I'm ready. Like, and they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we don't just let you convert and immediately yeah, wait, seminary. Yeah. <laughs> wait a little bit. Um, yeah. So he's in DC now. And it was really cool because, um, <laughs> when we were home over the summer, we stayed there for gosh, like five weeks. And, um, the first week we were there, I was like, Seth, I want to go to the church that you're, uh, he was assigned to like actually intern or whatever it's called, you know, your pastoral year, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he was assigned mm-hmm. at a church in our area or in my in-laws area. And so I went and, um, I emailed the priest that ran the church and I was like, Seth doesn't know that I'm asking this, but I'd like to take you all out to dinner. And the priest went to Virginia tech, which is where we oh. went. And so I was like, I want to take him oh. out, you know? Wow. And I get there. And at the end of mass, they're like, <laughs> the priest stands up and he's like, and this is Seth. He just got here last night and he's going to introduce himself to you. And I was like, I am such an idiot. Like I just forced you to go out to dinner with this priest and these seminarians that you don't know. Um, and I like forced this really <gasps> oh awkward situation. I was like, oh my gosh, they met each other 12 hours ago. And I'm like, come out to dinner with me or come out to lunch with me. But it ended up being beautiful. And it was just really cool to see him up there. Right altar serving and like, in a, oh yeah, you know, it was just amazing. And I just kept thinking like, what a gift, like we're going to see him prostrate on his face someday. And 
Mm-hmm. And to be able, I don't know, it was just beautiful. Like he, he was one of the Eucharistic ministers. And so I got to receive from him then, but I just thought like those hands and that soul is going to be like permanently indelibly changed someday. It's just beautiful to like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's it amazing. Is. It so. is such a gift. Yeah. It's and your so brother, like what in so the world? Unique. Your brother, like your brother's mm-hmm. going to be able to like baptize your babies. You know? Dude, I know he he was there for our wedding. He was the officiator. He was the officiant for your the, wedding. Mm-hmm. Yep, and my sisters too. Yep. Oh my, which gosh, is so Jesus. cool because I mean we got married in Minnesota, which is out of his diocese. Yeah, but we um yeah, God provided the way and the means, so he was able to do it all. And it yeah, was oh really, that's really amazing. awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have your your Etsy. And then where do you do your rants with Ray? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Over on Instagram on my yeah. stories. You gotta see, watch my stories. I'll hashtag it when you need to pay attention, but yes, rants on rants with Ray. Do you do it on, on a specific Instagram day story. of the week or do you just like, whenever you, whenever you feel a rant, when inspiration. On? Yes. Whenever I get, uh, <laughs> feel the need to rant. If you have to force something. a rant, it's probably not really a rant. You know what I mean? That's like, what I think. I'm like, it's, it's only when I'm like, Ooh, I, I got to talk about this right now. Yeah. It's, it's coming. It doesn't you know the time of day. doesn't matter. It's right here yeah. right now. That's funny. This out. Oh yeah. That's funny. And it's, that's so therapeutic too, because, um, you know, I tabled this podcast for all 18 months of this pandemic because I just felt, and, and it's funny because now I'm realizing I didn't feel called by the Holy spirit to say or speak or talk about anything. Um, but it was also because I have not been making an effort to keep the relationship alive. And so now that I've been making the effort to keep the relationship alive, God's been putting Mm -hmm. so many things on my heart to share. And he's also been putting the humility on my heart that like, I, I got this whole podcast completely funded in five days. I not, that's amazing. Not a penny out of pocket, like more than funded. I think I'm at like 156%. So basically like for a year and a half now, like, like the, the podcast will be funded. And so it just convicted me that like, okay, God wants that to happen because I flat out was like Mm -hmm. in adoration. I was like, okay, if you want it to happen, I mean, make it happen. And if not, then I'll take the hint and I'll drop it, you know, um, instead of this, and should I, should I not, you know, whatever I was just like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm just going to get not an ultimatum, but just like, if you want it, you'll make it happen. Um, but more like a trust thing than an ultimatum. And, and now it's like, I've been just in prayer so much and just so convinced that like, okay, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen that all these things are like coming on my heart. And like, I want to talk about those things, but when you st- even if you're just like talking to yourself on your phone or into mm-hmm. a microphone, like it's so therapeutic to like verbalize your thoughts and you're, you're almost like mid conversation with nobody like coming to the conclusions on your own, you know? No, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's nice. I, I find two it's like when, when you think like, I think the Lord is really like telling me this and then you say it out loud. It just makes more sense or something. It's like, gosh, yeah. I really need to believe that. Or like, there's sometimes, God wants me to trust in him. Or, yes, you know? or there's sometimes when you're speaking and almost like word vomit comes out and the things come out and you're like, man, that was beautiful. And you're like, there's no way that came from me. <laughs> there's no way oh my gosh isn't that the truth (laughs) like if it's something like sticking my foot in my mouth that definitely came from me but if it's like something that was beautiful I'll take I'll take that (laughs) holy spirit holy spirit (laughs) yes exactly exactly yeah I was like recording a podcast the other day and I was like sitting on the floor in my closet recording a podcast and I'm sitting right next to like the cat litter and I just I just was like man, if you have anxiety, you should try a podcast. Cause like talking things out to yourself is really therapeutic. <laughs> I love that. It was really good. It was really good. Um, yeah, but I'm so glad that I got to talk with you. And, um, I was going to mention, I was going to try to slip in some way that like me and you have been sliding into each other's DMS for like almost oh, probably yeah. like two years now. I don't know, but I was literally, like, we hit like a different level when I sent you a video of me dancing to September by earth. Wind and Fire. Oh, that I was like, you know what? We were, we were friends like this. Now we're up here. This, this is our friendship now. There's just something that like, when I just see you speak and stuff, there's just like, you just seem like to me, like little sisterly, you know? So I love it to just Aww, see somebody so like, glad. well, and it's, I don't know. It's somebody that like 
you're young enough to me that like, you're not so young that I feel like a mom or anything crazy. Um, yeah, but you're young enough to me that it's like, I don't know, like I can have hope for like the next generation because so many people (laughs) your age are just, um, can be very progressive or very, um, Mm -hmm. anti-church brainwashed, just the, the agenda got to them or, um, the indoctrination in schools or whatever, you know, you like, I just mm-hmm. feel like, I mean, just within 20 years, like the shift has been insane. So it's really refreshing. To oh see yeah. People like you. And, and I know Bridget's, she's like closer to 30, isn't she? I think so. I think she is 30. Yeah. Yeah. So like to see just people it's, I feel like not all hope in the church is lost. I do think we're, we are very <laughs> we're much fighting like, an intense battle. Yes. And I don't think it's going to let up anytime soon, but it's nice to see that like, you know, the church isn't dying because there's nobody mm-hmm. coming up behind it. You know, like I can right. see these, these younger, like more refreshing voices. Cause it's funny. Like when I first like started my blog and like Instagram and stuff, I was like 28. So now here we oh, are okay. like six years later. I mean, I had an Instagram, but it was just personal, but now we yeah. are like six years later. And I'm like, I kind of feel like the grandma. I don't know oh. how to use TikTok. I don't know how to use TikTok at all. I won't even oh, try. I don't, I don't even do have TikTok. Does that make you feel better? Oh, I don't even good. Do I don't even have, I call it a TikTok. Cause that, that way it ages me a little bit. I don't even have a TikTok mostly because <laughs> it's run by China. And my husband's like, yep, mostly. Be- <laughs> yeah. And the, the field my husband works in is like, he knows a lot about China. So he's like, don't put that China stuff don't on our phones. Don't put, you know, um, but, <laughs> but then like when reels came out, I was like, I feel like I could do really funny things on this. If I had any clue how to use it, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I've tried so many times. I'm like, I don't know how to use this part. And I guess I'm just going to move past so funny. it. I've thought about like getting a tutorial. <laughs> you know your strengths <laughs> yeah, right I'm like okay a podcast I can handle I can produce a podcast I, I can't make a reel and I just need to realize my limits and just say so cut your losses and it's fine roll with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome oh, I'm so glad we got funny. to talk it was a super long talk and I me too apologize that it's yeah, always sorry. so long but I'm I a rambler this one me too it's just, we can talk. So I know. Easily. And it's, I don't want to talk to people who can't again. talk. I mean, it's That's probably true. both. <laughs> it's probably, my sister just <laughs> yeah, sent right? me, she just sent me and my mom like this video and it was some reel of some guy like talking about like when he's interrupted, when he's teaching a class and he's like, shut up. Everybody just shut up and try to talk. And she's like, that's how I feel like it is talking like us three, because it's like, nobody's allowed to get a word out because we're all no. interrupting each other. <laughs> like, I got to reel that in a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Well, thank you for staying up late with me. I know it's super late where you are, but thank no, you. No, so it's much. all, it's all good. I'm good. so glad that we get to talk. Yeah, Thanks for having me, me on here. Yes. Enjoy uh, editing it. And yes. go. <laughs> Okay, and I'll see you on Instagram. Yes, see you there. (laughs) Bye. This episode is over, but you can head over to holyhotmess.net and get any of the links or show notes for anything we talked about today. You can also head over to Instagram and find me at Heather Yar. That's Y-A-R-R underscore. So we can chat and be friends.